Christine Boylan. Hi. Welcome to Word Tetris. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been, this has been much like the Amy Berg episode and the, Amy Berg was the big, another big one. Like, between the Berg episode and this episode, I'm finally like knocking off names off the bucket list of like who was like on the list of like season one I wanted and then couldn't. Every time, I feel like every time I wanted to schedule, you were not in town. Oh, I was out of town a lot. To yes. produce, at first yes. it was Punisher. Punisher, yep. And then it was uh, Cloak, Cloak and Dagger. Dagger. And then Punisher again. <laughs> so you were just consistently, <laughs> Marvel just kept taking you away. Mm-hmm. And then you would come back and be like, I'm already out of season though. Oh yeah, uh, and then I would yeah. have to settle for the scraps that are that is her husband. So yeah, <laughs> he's Oscar, all he's all right. The Oscar nominated, you know, he's okay. He's okay. <laughs> he's a, he's a delight, actually. <laughs> yes. Um, before we move forward, as usual, the first twenty minutes of Sepsis will be available for free uh, on WordTetris.com and all your various podcasters and all that good stuff. Also, you know, if you're a fan of the show and you have not, if you, if you're, we'll get to this part, but if you're a paying subscriber, still do me a favor, go to iTunes, leave a review. It helps, you know, helps get new listeners to the show. Um, but if you want to hear the full episode, get the full Christine Boylan experience. You got to head over to patreon.com slash word Tetris, sign up for the $1 an episode tier. Um, and you get the full episode, but if you sign up for the $3 an episode tier, you get the full episode plus a bonus episode, bonus Christine Boylan. That's the best kind of Christine Boylan. The bonus. Bonus Christine Boylan. We are doing this one sober, but <laughs> yes. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Meryl Barr, M-E-R-R-I-L-L-B-A-R-R. You can find me. You can find the show on Twitter. You can find, sorry, you can find me. You can find the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash wordtetrispod. Christine, where can people find you? What do you got to promote? Oh, sure. The promotables. Um, you can find me on Twitter at kitmoxie, K-I-T-M-O-X-I-E. It's going to be a lot of... Uh, chatting about Elizabeth Warren and a lot of promoting my theater company. That's what you're going to see. Speaking of the theater company. Well, we're going to get to that. Yeah. So the other place you can find uh, me and the work that I've been doing with the most amazing people, um, I am the least of that group, uh, Bespoke Plays, B-E-S-P-O-K-E Plays. So it's bespokeplays.com is our website. You can see our past productions with uh, quite a few luminaries, some of whom have been on this podcast before. Uh, and at Bespoke Plays on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find out about our upcoming readings. We will do a reading of new work every month until we die or run out of money. That being said, there's a link on there where you can donate to us through Fractured Atlas, where it is a tax-deductible donation. So I invite you to check us all out. You know, I feel like I've been working my way through the old leverage writer's room at this yes. point. <laughs> the dream John, team. John was the first one. Downey was on season one. I love them. Thorne has been on. Now Amy has been on. You have been on. Uh, Jessica Rydell has been mm-hmm. on. Uh, oh, you got to get Melissa. Got to get Melissa Glenn. I got to get Melissa Glenn. She's Melissa. elusive. She's elusive. I think, isn't she, and also, didn't didn't the gifted just? She was on the gifted, right? And it just um, got canceled. Shut up. No, I'm I'm working with her right now. Although I cannot, that's the most I can say about the project. So it's that a I'm working show, with her. It's not a Marvel show. <laughs> so it's a DC show. We both did. <laughs> she did. Um, yeah, she did Iron Fist season two, and then uh, we both did a couple of other things, and now we are working. I can, uh, for Amazon on something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's super fun to be with her again after 10 years or whatever. So, uh, Christine. Sir. What is your relationship to rewriting? I love it. Really? Again, mm-hmm. I, this is what's come up. 
the I feel like the higher in seniority the person is, the more they actually like it. Mm-hmm. Where the more new the writer is, the more they hate it. Yeah, I am not someone who likes to finish. <laughs> I love the beginning and the middle. I love right. falling out of love and so falling in love again. So you're not a fan of saying, um, I hate writing, but I love having written. I'm a fan of that because if your session for the day is done, you feel good. You're like, oh, I dragged my ass to yoga and now I feel good. Right. Oh, I wrote for 20 minutes to four hours to whatever your life is. Oh, I feel good because I did the work of my vocation today and I don't feel like a waste of space. So I am a fan of that saying, but in terms of like finishing a thing and being like, it's ready, it's ready. Those old perfectionist tendencies die very hard. Mm -hmm. And so you have to pull the script out of like my very much alive grippy hands. (laughs) Um, TV is great for that because- Gotta shoot. Gotta shoot something. And I love set. And I always feel like I get a chance to, to zhuzh it a little on set. Uh, and you're working with the actors. Um, and, and if you're in a great situation, everyone's collaborative in a wonderful way. And then you get post, which I believe Jenny Klein said is the final rewrite. Right. Um, which is great. So you get into the editing room and then you yell at yourself for all the stuff you missed. But then you find other things too and you realize what didn't need to be there. And so... Yes, rewriting for as long as possible Mm -hmm. until I get so sick of something. Finally, I'm like, take it, take it away. Um, But in TV, you don't have that choice. They have to take it. The train's running. You're either on it or under it. So it's better to be on it. What kind of process do you go through? I mean, obviously, you know, it's here are your notes, address the notes, right? Yeah. What is your process for looking at the notes? Because is it it a one-to-one of here's what you got to do, so go do it. Or is it more like, here's what I want you to do. Cool. Let me figure out what you actually want me to do because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, it has evolved. Um, I was definitely, <laughs> a lot of great. Have you, have you spoken to Cam Welsh? You need to talk to Cam, Cameron. Um, he's running Krypton and he and I work together on oh, Constantine. He is like Australian and a delight. No, I didn't. Okay, I didn't mean he's, he's so funny. He, he's a great interview as well. Um, Cam and I used to take notes together on Constantine and he would just sort of, uh, we would just watch each other's faces to see like, are we going to be worried or upset by what we, but what we get. And that being said, I have to say like, um, DC Comics. We worked with um, Pornsack Pinchashot, who is a great writer. I who at that enjoy time, that name. I love it because once he taught me how to say it the right way back in the old days in New York, I was right. like, I get, I know this. Great. Is it like it was it like, like Cumberbatch? I'm like, like, I understand Cumberbatch. Is now. it like Denis? Like Denis? It's like Denis. Oh, I love Denis. <laughs> These are all people I love. Yes, people with. Um, oh, interesting people names. should know that I'm I'm in the presence of the biggest poster for Arrival yes. anyone's ever seen, yes. and it's the French poster and it says premier contact yes premier contact (laughs) and amy and jeremy could not be more stunning in this beautiful bradford young (laughs) close-up give it up for that dp who's amazing um yeah so there's we're in we're in our library and this is where the arrival poster is and all our a lot of mostly comics a lot of comics mostly trades and a lot mostly um what's the word What's the word for when it's a collection of Well, people? graphic novels and trades and the all the ilk. There's manga in the other room okay. that I've worked on. There's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Punisher. There's a lot of Doctor Strange, as we talked about. Um, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy but, life. But anyway, so when you're taking, when you're looking all at right, the notes. All right, so looking at notes. Oh, so yeah, so Cam and I used to have a funny thing about notes. And, and same with Joe Pekaski on uh, Cloak. Oh, 
I used to get really agitated. I have gotten to a place where now I ask, I like to ask questions if I am empowered to do so. And it depends on the showrunner. It depends on where you are. Sometimes I'm the number four in the room. Sometimes I'm the number three, uh, or I'm acting as the number two. Uh, I ask questions, you know, tell me more about that. You know, if you're on the phone or if you're in the presence of the person who is the note giver, and sometimes, you know, every person is a person and has their own thing. Sometimes you're in the presence of somebody who is giving notes from a whole team and they may not necessarily endorse what they're having to say. So you don't really get to ask those questions. So then if you don't, um, my new thing is sit with it 24 hours. If you have that luxury or an hour, if you don't have a glass of your favorite beverage it could be any kind when i was talking <laughs> with deb fisher and we were talking about the the role of particularly like the the writer's pa is good then being post pa myself mm-hmm. the role of like you come out of that notes meeting and all you want is just to know that your yes. your particular favorite of, La- of LaCroix is in that fucking fridge. That person needs to anticipate your needs. Like a good set <laughs> PA. I'm working with an amazing PA right now and she knows exactly what we all need at all times. It helps if they've bartended. <laughs> and if you're sober, it helps if they know exactly what your soda choice is, your sparkling water, your whatever you like, your, you know, your, your anything. Um, your, particular kind of donut anything right. that will help you, you get through because when you come out of this cause you're like i'm gonna kill someone yeah i need comfort i need <laughs> my 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 need is comfort right now but when you settle down and you look at what is the note behind the note you don't do what they say but do what they mean and so that you know you can look at the uh, the note givers as the enemy or you can develop relationships it's about listening to their, it's not just the note, it's the tone of voice, it's the context, it's where it's coming from, it's what are the other shows on their docket, or their network, or their platform. What, where is this coming from, and what do they really mean? You know, it's almost never like... Uh, do you ever push back on a direct sense, where you they give you a note, and you go, okay, you're going to have to give me more detail than that, because... Sometimes, yeah. Or, do they for, or are you forced to play detective? I would almost always... I phrase it in the form of a question, because I, I wouldn't want that someone to do that to me. So I would say something like, um, can I... If we have time, can I invite you to give me a little more context there? Mm. Um, where did it come out of, if you guys had that discussion? And try to get them to give a little more. Some people don't. Sometimes the culture of their company is that they don't do that. Marvel. And that's okay. <laughs> Marvel was great really? because we would pitch our boards. I, I don't know if this is okay to say, but other people probably have said it, but we would pitch our boards directly to our executives in the room. Like they would come into the writer's room and we'd pitch the board. Oh, okay. And it was awesome because, you know, again, fu- Jeff Loeb is a writer. So Jeff knows. Right. I have, in my experience, like this is, this has come up with like the, um, the, uh, there's, there's two con- instances where I feel like the lack of an in-person face-to-face mm-hmm. is, is can be Huge. felt. Yes. Part one is this podcast. There are people who have asked, like, can I come do the show? But they're in New York. And I'm like, no, sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about being face-to-face yeah. with the person. Two, we just did the WGA mix, mm-hmm. which was a union and non... It was It's not an official union thing. Non-union... A, a union member came up with it, invited non... Said, anyone... It's a bar. Anyone show up. 500 f- people later, 
Um, so great. But and the, and then I ran to Jeff Thorne, and he goes, "Why the fuck aren't we always doing this?" And like, because no <laughs> one ever shows up. Mm. Like that's what it is. And now people have shown like to give you a sense of how powerful this movement was. I had I was doing the next one and had to cancel it. We're actually recording. Right. We're actually recording twelve hours since my decision to cancel it, and three hours from when I announced it, because the place we picked holds three hundred comfortably, and six hundred want to go already. Yeah, and we still have five days before it happens. You gain in a conversation mm-hmm. when you can be in the room and watch someone's body language and yeah. watch how like are they actually following the story? Are they looking away? Are they looking at their phone? Are they engaged? That's right. These little bitty little cues you do not get on a phone call, which I feel like creates the situation of everything. Like I can be as blunt as I want it, to someone when I'm giving them notes, or they're giving me notes, or I'm responding to their notes if they're in the room with me. Sure. But if yeah. I'm over the phone, suddenly I have to pick my words, yes. and I gotta say I have to use the phrase "bumping" a lot. People will say things to you in person that they will never trust to text or email, and rightly so. And I don't even mean shit talking. I mean like deep craft stuff. Like, mm-hmm. okay, between us, here's how I broke this and this and this. Like, that's so valuable. So it is, if you can get yourself to mixers, it's really helpful. Being on writer Twitter is really good, although but Twitter's it's a also starting, a great way. Twitter's a starting yeah, point. Yeah, it's it a great way not, not to result. write. That's the other thing about writer Twitter. You can go down that rabbit hole, and then three hours later, you're like, oh, I didn't do my pages today. <laughs> and also, I need to sleep because I'm a human being. So you don't I tweet do a lot. I don't tweet a lot. Um, Which is smart. I don't know if it's smart so much as I'm overwhelmed. And then Eric makes up for it. <laughs> Eric Eric lately tweets a lot more than I do. Yeah. Um, I will do a live tweet, you know, if there's an event. Um, I was happy to live tweet Cloak and Dagger because it was the little show that could. I wanted people to know about it. And I wanted people to be able to contact us and let us know how they were feeling. Um, the Marvel show, once I got into the Marvel camp, other than Cloak, uh, you can't, you're not allowed to have your phone. You're not allowed to take pictures. You're not allowed to tweet about the show. And what a relief that was because I didn't have to sell the show. I just got to focus on doing the work, right. which is the only thing I really care about. Right. I'm not a good salesman. I'd probably make more money if I was in that field, but right. I didn't get into this and make money. <laughs> I got into it for the health insurance. Let's be honest. Yes. After Cause you, we live in a third world country. Yes. After you, what's it like having insurance? After it's, it's a, for somebody with a super uh, tough chronic illness, it's actually, it has literally saved my life. Yeah. Like the writer's guild has saved my life. I'll put that out there. After you get the notes and you now go back to the hole to go and change whatever has to change, mm, mm-hmm. well, how do you like to do it? So it, it, it varies depending on the project, depending on the medium, depending on whatever. So um, features are one thing. Well, I guess we'll talk about TV, right? So let's say... We'll do both. Yeah, we could do both. Okay, so TV. So something like Punisher, um, you know, the culture of the show is a little bit different. Steve Lightfoot, great showrunner. Um, he very much is the front line on the notes. You're never on a notes call without him, nor does he exclude you. So the writer of record is there. Steve is there. Other people may be there. You're all taking in the notes together. And there are certain things that I felt empowered to ask questions about or push back a little. My pushback in the moment is never more than, oh, well, we tried that. Would you like to see it? 
Because for the most part, sometimes the things that they're asking about are, could you go down this line? We might have tried that already, either on the board or in an, another draft. I, the first draft I hand in is probably my third draft. Not hand into always, Steven but hand, in hand into the showrunner. Yeah. And then, you know, it goes through. And then I'll get notes. So on Punisher, I would get notes from him and I would do maybe two or three passes depending on the luxury of time. And because he is someone who honors and respects the people he hired, I had plus time. That plus time means I got to do two to three drafts. Then it would go out to the studio. Then it would go out to Netflix. So by that time, we had walked through a lot of different things. And I also felt empowered to try stuff. Like we had broken a fight a certain way in um, on the board. And then I would write that. And then I would sit around and go, well, there's also this way. Like I, what? what was the, can you say what the fight was? Um... It was just a matter, it's not going to be anything that's recognizable, but it was a matter of choreography and about emotionally how it ended. Because my philosophy with action is the same as my philosophies with musicals. Mm. And I think John and I talked about this a lot online one day. I don't know why this got into a big Twitter discussion, but... um, Oh my God, I remember this. Yes. I saw this one happen. Yes, because I said every fight... First of all, every fight is a conversation. Yep. Without no, yes. dialogue. I remember, this exa- I remember exactly yes. this conversation. Yes. Every fight is a conversation, which was actually really useful on Constantine, where a lot of the physical fighting was like pub brawls, because that's just who he is. <laughs> right. And it's I know it's Constantine, but I'm pronouncing it the way the Americans did, because that's the name of the show we did. Um, so that it was, is? you know... It, it is Constantine. Yes, there's. Oh, I feel shitty. No, it's okay. And not Amer- Americans don't always know. There's a there's some rhyming in certain issues of Hellblazer where they rhyme it for you on the page, and I'm like, oh, with that. But it's it is what it is. Uh, so we, you know, fight is a conversation. Sometimes there's there's words in there, but it is a thing. Like Hamlet and Laertes, that's a conversation between two guys who are having realizations and working out their family issues, and it's happening. And there's a million other layers to it, but that's the basic, right? So. But I also don't think a show, a, a dramatic presentation, a story should stop, have a fight, and then resume. So if a fight isn't moving story forward and character forward, take your fight out because it's just like a wanky set piece. I feel the same way about musical numbers. And I am a devoted, passionate fan of musicals on screen and on stage and everywhere they are. Um, if your song isn't moving your character and hopefully your story forward, that's not the place for your song, <laughs> you know? Same with dancing. For me, like, a character's emotions need to get to the point where it's so fraught, it's so much that they can't express it any way other than violence or music or dance, and so it comes out, right? right. And West Side Story, of course, has all three. Um you know, and, and and by the way, sex scenes, you know, John and I were joking about this online. I was like, sex scenes, man, a lot of sex scenes are the same way. Is your sex scene moving your character forward? Is it moving your plot forward? If not, why is it there? Oh, that's why I can't watch most premium cable shows. I mean, I, Game of Thrones, and uh, I don't know if they invented it, but they certain, certainly perfected the sex position. It's like, well, we got to get a lot of... But uh, not at first. Not at first. <laughs> first, like, it was tits position, because right. it was just a lot at, of tits. At first, at first, it was just... Like, so in the most... All right, you know what? If you haven't watched the season premiere at this point, that's on you. We're going to spoil it. Um, there's a scene... They, they do... There has to be one brothel scene per episode. To hear the rest of this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash wordtetris.